From Glitch HQ on Riverside Avenue in premium convention-defying Minneapolis, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development. I'm Martha McGarry, and I make nice games. I'm Stephen McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Martha Croy, I too make nice games. For this week's episode, our topics are DLC and expansions, and the use of genres in games versus other media. And so, if everyone's ready, let's get started. Okay, this is episode 48. On the docket. Yes. But we we did a pilot episode. We did. And one of our episodes, no one's heard. Right. <laughs> so this is kind of... The last episode. This is kind of <laughs> minus one plus one. Uh-huh. And then in our... In fact, in that, in that recording, we even lost one of our lost episodes. So we have a lost episode and a lost, lost episode. <laughs> oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Well, I bring it up because the way we do this show, listeners, we might have talked about it, but we do uh, we record multiple episodes and we record every other week, so mm-hmm. we can release episodes each week. Yep. And we're doing uh, um, a roundtable now, uh, which you're hearing, and then next week, I think you'll uh, you'll get uh, some more nice plays from us, which we're going to recording on our calendar tonight, and that will include episode fifty. Um, but it's not really nice place is not a great time to talk about episode 50 so we kind of talk about it now 50 episodes guys Yay! kind of sort of that's so many we're coming up on a year now um, we had a couple of specials and now with the nice plays we do two of them yep. so we're kind of uh, galloping a little faster than one a week actually um, man it's it's great uh-huh. you guys like so awesome. you feel like we know what we're doing at this point or we should figure out when our anniversary is too uh, yeah we should do that uh-huh Calendar math. That's just calendar. Like I'll just get Lane to calculate it for it. Lane will do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we should throw an audio party when it's when we're at a year. Yeah. I think. That's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Do we have any other business or should we like just get to it? Uh I mean totally. Or, or <laughs> <laughs> You're like experimenting with voices now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because you're just uh, you're just being Steven. Totally it's being Steven. <laughs> I'm just being Steven. Oh, hi. <laughs> what? Was that a voice? <laughs> yes. Or is that me? I don't know. <laughs> okay. Let's just go. Yeah. So it's nice that we got to 50 episodes before we became totally unlistenable. <laughs> you can download our DLC for uh, some new voice packs for your hosts. Wow. <laughs> nice. Nice transition. Yeah. So uh, transitioning to what, Martha? DLC and expansion. Yeah, tell us about it. Downloadable content is become pretty popular nowadays because mm-hmm. it's a thing you can do. <laughs> you <laughs> Actually, can. That's kind of the reason why it's popular. It's because it's possible. Yeah. Right? <laughs> well, I mean, like old school games did this, except you just have to had to buy a whole nother CD disc and yeah. um, then make sure that you had, like, it was very complicated to have it. I remember like, mm-hmm. oh, I want to play. Alpha Centauri with the new aliens, which means I have to first put in one or like first put in one disc and then Uh put the other disc or make sure one is, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Whole thing. I bought like Quake expansions that were like non-official. Oh. But they they were sold in stores on discs and they were like not official, but it was basically just mods you you went and bought at the store. (laughs) Analog mods. Yeah. That's very interesting. Mm -hmm. They're like level packs and stuff. But they were non-official ones. Yeah, well, I mean, because you know, both Quake and Doom famously just opened up their, like, were moddable right. from Jump. And so, yeah. um, you know, there was not a lot of distribution. So the best way to do it was to get into, like, EB Games or um, Electronic Boutique. You guys remember that store? No. No. no I'm a little older than you, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it's a place you went to the mall to buy uh, PC games. 
That's pretty much all they sold. That's awesome. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, it was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it used to, I mean, it's been around for a while. It's not a, as much as we like to think of it as a more recent trend, right? Yeah. I guess just the distribution system is different. Yeah. And it's easier to do now. Yeah. And that probably sped it up. Right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Quite a bit. Plus, like, you can make more money off of it. Uh huh. That's a lot of reason. I feel like that that they do it, yeah. especially um, what's it? First day DLC, yeah, stuff all the time now. Yeah, yeah, and it's I always I get more I get less mad about it for games I'm into. <laughs> I'm like whatever, <laughs> I'll pay the extra four dollars right. because I love this thing. Yeah, and so that's kind of why it keeps happening because the only people who argue are the people who are like not buying it anyway. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I know that a lot of people have. Uh, I, I want to say confusion, but maybe that's not the right word. Mm-hmm. But I know that people get mad about first day DLC because they're like, why didn't they just put this in the game initially? But this is, I think a lot of times when they're working on those things, it's during that period of time when they're waiting for a certification or compiling or whatever it is at the yeah. end of a game. Well, that's like a day it's one like, patch. That's There's a day one patch, but yeah. they also sometimes work on DLC. I s- yeah, one. I suppose that's probably true. Like small stuff. And you know, games can be delayed for marketing reasons, not mm-hmm. just because they're not done yet. And mm-hmm. so sometimes that gives teams a lot of time. Yeah, to do things. So I suppose, but you know, it, it comes down to the, what the value is, and that's such an amorphous, you know, like you're not gonna pay full price at the movies for like a 25 minute movie, but like games don't have that same mm-hmm. easy calculation for what a game is worth. Mm-hmm. You know, um, as I get older, I think a lot of people say this. As you get older, you uh, you don't really want to buy a hundred hour game. Mm-hmm. Like I'll pay full price for a, a nine hour game. That's fine. Right. Because I don't have, <laughs> I don't have a hundred hours. I don't want, you know, I don't know. Well, unless you're like me and you just want to play one game for forever. Yeah. Like Skyrim. <laughs> Still playing that. Well, it's true of a lot of people. I guess. <laughs> Except yeah. you will buy Skyrim multiple times. Ah, <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. There's not a lot of logic to that. Mm-mm. Nope. <laughs> Well, I mean, you can play it on the go now when the switch when the switch version comes out. Then you can play the VR version when that comes out. If you want extra immersion, I suppose. Uh-huh. Uh, and then whenever they have a alternate reality version, I'm sure they'll then you can pay for that one too. Yeah. And then there'll be the one in space. And 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 then you can have trains coming at you while you're walking down the street. Sounds <laughs> like a good plan for me. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> that would be something. You could just wave to all of the Thomas the Train engines. Choo they, choo. Fly past you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I wanted to talk a little about like, I feel like there are different categories of DLC. Like in my mind, mm-hmm. I've mm-hmm. like uh, split them up into different uh, types. Um, and I guess mods, you could, you could count mods as one of those that's DLC that wasn't made by the original developer. Yeah, you can categorize them by content or by like payment. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> I see like skins and cosmetic things that don't really uh, affect the game as mm-hmm. one type. Um, a lot of games uh, do that. Those are good because you can get them at, like they can release them at for special events and stuff. And yeah. so you can be like, ooh, I have the the skin I was there uh-huh. the time um, and then there are like things that uh, actually expand the game so map packs level packs um, more story uh, like more characters for a game or um, actually like chain things that change the gameplay oh they add quite a bit to it yeah mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, and then I would also like of the things that are almost DLC, I would count like major updates that uh, 
that the developer makes um, yeah. that you don't necessarily have to pay for, or maybe you have to, you know, that, that they're non-optional DLC. They just happen. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to pay for patches. Wait, no, that's happened before. Has it really? <laughs> well, sort of. Yeah. Um, there was uh, there was Marvel versus Capcom three. Uh huh. Um, a lot of people disliked it. I can't remember all of the reasons. <laughs> I'm not a Marvel guy. Yeah. But um, then they released Ultimate Marvel versus Capcom three, which had a lot of patches. They added a few characters and stuff. But I mean, like they called it a new game. Yeah, I mean, it is a new game. It's like it's basic. It's an expansion of the old game, and they've enhanced it and stuff. And that's yeah. the version that people play now until sure. I guess sure. until the new one just came out. Yeah. Um, How about like MMOs a lot, or or you know games that have ongoing servers and stuff like Destiny or whatever? You buy one, buy it, and then like the game you have bought is the game from a year and a half ago, and uh, they do have paid content, but a lot of it's just free tweaks, updates, and whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you don't pay extra for that, but right. that's definitely uh, people don't say DLC because they mean that in like the the the, the store version but yeah. yeah it is it's exactly the same they mean that in terms of content as opposed to bug fixes yeah yeah in general right yeah that said like i mean i don't know maybe speaking as a developer like uh-huh. patches take work they do maybe it, they should be like maybe it's okay sometimes to pay for them hmm. i don't know like uh, there's a there's a consumer expectation of like uh, i bought a thing it should, i suppose any that- improvements should just be free all the time like unless, unless there's a character model involved i guess i don't know well Case by case, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I've, like it used to be that like the only thing expansions and stuff were like actual content, dot, like like what you got on the disc is what you got. Yeah, basically. Um, so it had to be all correct <laughs> uh, and not have game breaking bugs or or things in it. Yeah. Uh, so maybe that's what people are are feeling is like why why aren't games you know pat like yeah, already right. good well like the, the day one patch right like mm-hmm. the day one patch is something that happens so that it can be certified even though it's not ready yeah and that's it just seems that's just silly you know what i mean like why <laughs> but it's just a part of a like release to manufacturer it's like get disc can be printed and go to game stops for digital games it makes less sense uh to have but uh, but yeah i think developers are much more comfortable releasing things that have problems they know they'll fix later but that's but those developers that do that would never think to charge for those things, right? Yeah, because, because they're they're doing it, they're releasing the unfinished game as in like, you know, fully expecting to fix it. I, I think a lot of gamers are cynical about like, oh, it's you know, it's not d- done. And it's like, yeah, but so I get it. Here's an example. Yeah, Street Fighter Five came out. Uh-huh. People hated it because there's no story mode. I don't think it even came with arcade mode. It was basically just bare bones. Right. People disliked that quite a bit. Yeah. And then they eventually added stuff on. Right. Uh, I know that they added characters and things. I don't think you had to pay for it. I don't own the game. Right. I don't think you had to pay for story mode and stuff. But mm-hmm. like they wanted that stuff initially. So they rather would have waited longer. At least people are saying they rather would have waited longer to have all of their things. Um, but maybe if they had to pay for the things. Would they be more open to it? I, that it just feels it feels weird to me. Well, you, when you when you sell a product, you you set expectations, right. and if you don't meet those expectations, then improvements you make are to bring up to those expectations, yeah. right? But then, it, on the other hand, if you sell a game and it's just underwhelming, but it met expectations, mm-hmm. then there's there's that push and pull. Like uh, the best example, of course, is No Man's Sky. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I yeah. Where I I paid sixty dollars for that game, I think, and I was like. Okay, worth sixty dollars, and then they've been released. I mean, you play it now; it's the most recent update. It had a lot of press. Mm-hmm. Like, um, it's such a different game. There's so much more to do. Everything has changed. They've tweaked all, a lot of the algorithms for generating worlds. It's, I mean, it is basically like version two point oh, 
and and they're given out for free because they would be pilloried if they charged for it. Yeah. But it was a year of work for a whole development studio mm-hmm. to do those updates. And yeah, maybe that game was released too early, but in it, what was released, I think, was worth $60, even if it was a bit underwhelming. So like, I wouldn't have a problem paying $15 for that expansion but most people I think would because the expectations that were set and because so like, it's not fair to anybody players or developers. Mm. It's there's no rules. Like it's, it's all situational. on the, on the other hand, like if by had adding those patches and things, I'm sure they've drawn more people to play the game and buy the game. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Is uh, they, you know, it's not they're not doing it for charity, right? And they're not doing it just to salvage reputation. There's a there's a profit motive to that, even if they're giving that away for free. Yep, paying for patches. I don't think it's a good idea. Well, I mean, I think it's just, I think, what's a, what's a patch, right? Patches like, like a balance tweak in Super Smash Brothers. Is that a patch or is that a, a is patch. that a new feature? That's a patch. Is it really? It's a patch. It changes gameplay though. It's a patch. <laughs> League of Legends calls it patch notes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, if they're just adjusting gameplay mm-hmm. and not adding literally new features, yeah. to the thing, I think I consider that a patch. I just think it's a it's I think it's a much blurrier line than okay. most pe- most people think. Mm, okay. Um, I th- yeah. you, can make, you can make individual judgments, right? On, on like, oh, this is obviously patch. This is obviously features, whatever. Uh-huh. But like, I think you can't set. It's a know it when you see it kind of thing, and it, it depends not just on the content itself, but also the state of the game before it has changed. the The audience, the type of game, is it a subscription game? Is it a free to play game? Well, have you ever is heard? A- have you ever heard of a patch where they just change numbers, but they sell that? No, I guess not. That's yeah. That would be. Would you pay for that? I don't know. I don't play games like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. There's the yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I would I think it would be unreasonable to expect people to pay for well, it's like like things like like tweaking balance issues it, mm-hmm. specifically like you if you had the old version then you couldn't play with anyone else. Mm-hmm, yeah. And so it's in everybody's interest that Right, right. Yeah, there's certain just like technical considerations. Like you, you don't want to charge for it because then you start splitting your audience. Right. Yeah. Right. But at the same time, they do that with DLC characters. That's true. Like if you don't own Bayonetta, you're screwed because Bayonetta's all over the place now. <laughs> you got you got to learn that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So. But that, but that's okay, right? To to spend money, like it's five dollars per character, right? In it Smash. is. Well, it's only a real issue if you're like in competitive in tournaments and stuff. Right. Because right. you have to pay that money in order to stay competitive. Yeah. But yeah. if you're just like me, I bought it anyway because. Smash Bros. <laughs> but I mean, if you're like someone who's not as obsessed as me yeah. um, playing the game, you may consider whether or not you want to buy Bayonetta because you may not like the character and don't really care much about like learning how to play against her. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, something to consider. Yeah, I, there's just so many dimensions to uh-huh. it, I think. And it's, I think it's not as, I think a lot of gamers, especially, are, like, are, do not understand why it's not so clear cut mm. um, because they're looking at a specific example. Mm-hmm. Like No Man's Sky was a perfect example, and just like yeah, it, it just seems like you know they really if they had had just a little better press, they could have charged ten dollars for that stuff, and people would have been very happy. To do I don't that. know what they added specifically to No Man's Sky. Uh, they added like um, ground vehicles. They added uh, di- um, you could build your own base. Oh, like I mean, it is an oh, entirely yeah, that, different game. That does sound. You like can warp it. between different planets. You like can DLC. set a home planet for yourself. Uh-huh. Like well, some of that tons stuff, and tons of stuff. Well, some of that stuff sounds like. Stuff you could charge for, like the ground vehicles, yeah, or building your own base. But man, if they had, like, the pre- I mean, yeah. it, players just would not have accepted. It. Oh, yeah, like because of the reputation that game had, mm-hmm. um, and so that that is what make that is what also defines the calculus. Mm-hmm. You know, it's true. Mm-hmm. 
that's fair. I think that in general, for me anyways, what makes sense to me is a patch is something that balances the game so that it is more playable or better yeah. like by just changing numbers or adjusting things. Mm-hmm. Whereas downloadable content is adding new features to the game. And mm-hmm. Whether you charge or not, that's what I think. Right. right. Con- so like those bases or the drone vehicles or whatever, mm-hmm. that would be downloadable content even though they just patched it in. Right, right, right. Well, as a developer, uh, which takes more time? Uh, downloadable content would. Yeah. Adding new content, making new models and things. Mm-hmm. I would imagine that would take more time than adjusting numbers. I mean, that takes time too. Right. But uh, I would imagine just like getting the balance correct and the other thing would so, take more time. So part of your part of your the line you're drawing is all, includes the fact that you think or you believe, and okay. you're probably I mean you're right that it is also equivalent to the amount of effort it takes to produce. The amount of actual money it costs to make. Uh, no, no. It's largely just if you're adding content to the game, right? It's downloadable content. Okay, that's <laughs> that's that's how I that's where I would yeah. draw the line. Of course, like six years from now, you're like releasing the fifteenth like balance patch to Fingence, and <laughs> and no one is paying you a dime. <laughs> yeah, then I'll be like, man, I was wrong. <laughs> well, no, you I, you won't be wrong. You'll just be on the like the wrong end of that of that that, that math, right? Yeah, like because I. I don't disagree with you. I'm uh-huh. kind of just playing devil's advocate. I think it's just easy to assume that like, oh yeah, balance tweak, that's, that's like people's salaries got to get paid, right? Mm-hmm. Like, You're right. No, that's, that's totally true. Yeah. Well, that's like basically, I don't want to get into the free to play argument. <laughs> yeah, we're not doing that. <laughs> For context, we've had multiple free to play arguments within the group off mic. Um <laughs> But We've resolved to never talk about it on the show. Yes, <laughs> taboo. <laughs> but the way that play, that people have gone around that is mm-hmm. making subscription games, and yeah. therefore they are getting paid for the patches. Yeah, exactly right. And like that's you know that's probably an easier. There's less um, questionable ability about like what is what you're paying for. Right, right. You're paying for the game to improve over time. Yes. So you know whether you approve of that model or not, um, the, it, it's. Maybe less ambiguous, right? Yeah, I suppose. Yes, <laughs> that's true. Well, um, wait a minute. I, but what if what if you have a subscription, but you also have to pay for expansions? Because you do that in World of Warcraft, don't that's you? That's true. Yeah. Well, again, it's about player expectation. It's like mm-hmm. what do, what do players think is worth it, and what can you as a as a marketer of goods get away with? <laughs> right? Yeah. I want to talk about <laughs> some notable expansions. Yes. That uh, I've experienced. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. And bought or downloaded or uh-huh. etc. <laughs> How they've been et gotten on my computer. <laughs> How is not important. They're just there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so yeah. So the first thing I, games I wanted to talk about were the old school expansions um, that I loved for the games Alpha Centauri and Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. Um, Alpha Centauri is the uh, First foray into space, the Civ um, franchise went into, despite right. them saying that Beyond Earth is. <laughs> it's totally wrong. Mm. Wait, Alpha so Centauri is, that is not a thing. Sid Meier's Alpha Centauri? It's Sid Meier's Alpha Centauri. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> marketing team for Beyond Earth. Get your crap together. <laughs> um, anyway, I love that game and I love the expansion. Um, what the expansion did was like added a whole new cast of characters that you could choose between. Um, and you could play as aliens mm-hmm. and from the planet that you, from Alpha Centauri that you are landing on. And it 
was super awesome. Yeah. I loved it. It like added like a whole sort of dimension to the game that wasn't there before. Yes. Those are some of the best expansions where you can't think of playing the game without them. Exactly. They, they, they further define the game. I feel like Civ has done that in most of its yeah. expansions. Like I feel, feel like Civ 5 with playing it without expansions would be really not as fun, much fun. Right, right. And those so. are all like, what, like 15 to $20 packs mm-hmm. that are, that give you tons of content, but then, then further, then they're definitive at that point, right? It's, totally worth, take all my money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's different from like uh, expansions that are like a new mission that you could take or leave. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. That like, or maybe great. And maybe most people have it or want it. But like you don't feel like you're missing, like that you'd no longer have the game if you don't have that, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. And Pharaoh is the same way that it, it's a city building game mm-hmm. uh, set in ancient Egypt and you go through it um, as a, the royal family or whatever and each generation you get to build a new city in Egypt and it's really fun. Uh, and Cleopatra was the expansion so you got to have a bunch of... Um, stuff from her era and uh, also Roman stuff and it was really cool. Oh, nice. Yeah, what are some other notable expansions and DLC? Well, like League and Borderlands both have skins. Yeah. Um, and I really like, I know that you don't, Mark, you don't like skins very much as a thing. I don't hate them. <laughs> <laughs> but and we can't get into it. <laughs> they have their place in certain places. I'll say that. I love skins. Uh-huh. Um, but that I think that has to do with my motivation to play games is like um, getting to play characters and stuff and yeah. really make my character look cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and so skins are something I will definitely shell out for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can go either way with skins. But if I'm like really into a skin, I'll buy that. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I, I, could, I, could, I don't need it. See, I'd have pegged you for just not caring at all. Right, you know, yeah, I would be one that person, but I'm not necessarily because yeah. there are certain aesthetic things that I enjoy, mm-hmm. and the, wow, that sounds weird. Um, <laughs> and so, Stephen likes looking at stuff, guys. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I'm not completely blind, uh, <laughs> but yeah, like most of the time, I don't care that much. Yeah, uh, but sometimes it makes a character look really cool, and I'm like, Ooh, so I'll buy it. Yeah, I I do care, but yeah. I um. But I have this sort of like um, logic gatekeeper in my mind that I'm just, you know, if there, it is something to pay for it, I just feel like, no, no, you can't. Like, don't. And I'm like, all right, fuck. Let yourself live a little, Mark. <laughs> I, I guess, yeah. Teach <laughs> yourself. I mean, that's, that's different from my feeling on their existence at all. Yeah. But, but just personally as a player, I just, I can't really bring myself to do it. Like, despite, you know, even when I'm perfectly fine with it, with someone else doing it, I, I just, I don't know. Mm. Yeah. Weird. I, I, I gotcha. But on the other hand, like I will always play as Luigi in any game that will let me, regardless of what that means to the gameplay. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Which is, which is how I'm really good at Luigi. <laughs> you just not do anything and then you win all your games. Wait, what? Oh, you the, the Luigi thing where Luigi doesn't do anything and wins stuff. Is that a thing he does? Yeah. What have I been struggling all these years for? <laughs> it's on YouTube somewhere. All right. We'll, we'll, have, like, to, we'll have to put that in the show. Yeah. <laughs> Luigi does nothing and wins. Uh, all right. Well, maybe I'm not that good video games then. <laughs> <laughs> there is an expansion that uh, Stephen, you and I played recently that I want to talk about, which is it's another excuse to talk about Star Trek. This, <laughs> Yay! This Star yeah. Trek Ascension board game that yeah. we love and that Martha will never try. 
Um, it's really long. <laughs> it's really long. Um, it's a it's a four X game, and you've got uh, Federation Klingons Romulans, and it's a three player game, mm-hmm. uh, which is unusual for board games. I've learned that's true. It, which to me it seems kind of perfect, but I don't have a ton of board game experience. Um, the expansions just add different playable factions, so you can add the Cardassians and the and the Ferengi, and we did both of those. Yeah, uh, and you play as Ferengi, I played as Cardassians, yep. and uh, in that game, each of the factions has special rules that only apply to them. And um, the expansions, the rules that apply to those two uh, factions are even more interesting than the ones from the base game. Right. And it also adds additional rules that apply to everyone. So it's kind of a mix between the, the sort of Civ-style expansion and the, um, you know, uh, and sort of like, I guess, League-style where you get new characters and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And um, it, was, it was fun. We had a good time yeah. with that. Like, you as the Ferengi, especially, the rules for the, that faction are so different. It makes it a totally different game. Yeah, but I got into it pretty well. Yeah. I mean, I... I took over. I, you know, invaded Ferenginar as well, soon as I could because yes. I was afraid of how good you were at those <laughs> rules because you just like understood exactly what it took, and so I kind of set my sights on you. Well, my nickname around the office is Stephen Business. Yes, <laughs> thinking about changing my last name to Business, <laughs> <laughs> so people know I mean business. I sell business. I do business. <laughs> it's a business. <laughs> You know, getting back to the sort of value of it, I think yeah. those are ones where like I think they're like thirty five bucks, and the base game is like a hundred dollars. Mm. You can get it cheaper, I think. <laughs> but um, like that seems like perfect. Like that just seems like as a consumer, I feel like I got exactly the value of that. And the game was designed for that. It was designed to be expanded, mm-hmm. so the expansions fit into like your ex- expectations for how the game works already. So it feels like it was really well designed. Not just uh, in the sense of like the marketing of it, which is which is a thing to praise, I guess, but mm-hmm. just in terms of the game design is really good mm-hmm. because um, you know it's it can be a three or four or five player game in any combination of the three or four or five factions you have access to, and um, a lot of times uh, I'm very suspect of those types of models, but it's, it seems really well con- well considered to the to the players in in a sense, um, so I, I really like that. It's cool. I didn't even think about board game expansions, but not, those have so many expansions. Is that so, I was gonna? I was just gonna say I don't feel that common, but I get. I just. I guess I just don't know. Oh yeah, there's like, um, like the birds expansion for evolution, uh-huh. the board game, um, which completely breaks the game. Uh, <laughs> always play birds, guys. That's the strategy. Um, yeah. Put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> always play birds. Yeah. <laughs> birds op. Yeah, and didn't. Like there's like uh, sushi go sushi party. go yeah sushi go party huh it's a Mon- machi koro expansion I only played that like once or twice but mm-hmm. that one's cool uh, you know there's a whole bunch of things and they are installed the same way you would old school you you, you take you take a disc mm-hmm. you put it in your computer and you print out the no uh, <laughs> <laughs> you just like take the cards and you put them in the deck or whatever yeah in, in board games that's how you do that right right. Uh, I guess there's no complicated. That'd be interesting if you could like download content for your board game. Uh, oh, D and D has yeah. patches. Really? Um, or like they put out n- notes mm-hmm. or like, hey, if you want like optional, like they did that for um, they have uh, optional rules for rogues in fifth edition now. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not rogues, rangers, rangers, because they thought they weren't OP enough. Um. When they're already super OP, so if you, <laughs> if you, but they just released those as a free free PDF on the internet. Yeah. So that's like oh. an example of a patch, right? Oh, right. huh? That's fascinating. <laughs> well, that's not. I mean, printed materials will sometimes just get 
uh, fixes to errata, like spelling mistakes and stuff like that, <laughs> uh, released in that manner. That's um, true. But I'll be yeah, game tweaks and stuff, patching. That's that's interesting. Do they? I, Mike, I would guess you can tell me. Do they also like version number these things, like as if it's software? I well, there's three point five. I su- I suppose that's true. No, I, I mean, more like this oh. is version one point something of version of fifth edition, right? Like just to keep track yeah. of things because I think that's the language we speak now. Yeah, I, I don't wouldn't know. Be surprised if that's the case. Have to look that up. Yeah, put it in the show notes. Hmm. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Are you guys planning DLC for your games? Planning it, or or do you think you'll have one? Have any? We do you foresee? Might do it. Yeah. Maybe. Do you have any? Do you have any idea what form that would take? It would probably just be new characters. Yeah. Or nope, probably just new characters. Mm-hmm. Well, we were thinking because we did uh, a list recently on like what we need um, to add uh, in order for the game to feel complete for us. Yeah. Um, and then there were like additional things that we would add on if we had time, right? Or, or if it made sense. Um, and so some of the characters that we had initially planned for, we might like leave out and then add them in later, maybe if we feel motivated to do so. Oh, to like sort uh, of finish them up and make them. Yeah, they might not make the cut. Right. For yeah. The, for the initial launch, I see. Yeah. Though, you know, as a class-based game, you, I mean, like what Overwatch or League or other. Yeah. I mean, you you can kind of follow that model almost. Yep. Right. We could. Mm-hmm. Of course, um, we're not as installed. Can't like keep adding new things for free. We need to get paid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like, if 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 Vengeance does really well, um, then it would be it would feel a lot better to add DLC because we'd want to. Um, I would totally buy a character pack. Yeah. yeah. I think that I think people I think people understand that model, and mm-hmm. I think they'd be very comfortable like putting a couple bucks down on a new character, and I th- and they would feel they got their money's worth. Particularly so. how different characters are in Vengeance. Yeah. I think that, yeah, for sure. Because playing the same content with a new character does change enough to not just provide. I mean, people wouldn't think it's just like a skin or a cash grab. Right. They would they would definitely, yeah, I think that people would definitely see value in that. Yeah, it's just, would I be making that character for five people? Or would I be making it for <laughs> 5,000 people? Uh-huh. And that would determine if we want to continue or not. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> right, right. yeah, that'll change the strategy, right? Like, uh, you know, maybe you, you the game goes on sale and it gets like a, a, a niche audience. Uh-huh. And that's sort of so maybe you um, like okay we'll release uh, packs of three new characters yeah and call it and call it an expansion yeah. with like three new characters on a level yep or something but yeah it's going to depend on a lot of like the real world scenario you release it into exactly um, I feel similarly so Metro Nexus um, is actually a game designed for DLC <laughs> almost <laughs> even explicitly though you, <laughs> um, even though you don't like this DLC very much well no it's I think you have me a little bit pegged wrong oh, okay but we can't talk about it. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> because we've, we've banned it from the show. I love this. But, um, <laughs> no, um, my game was really designed to have a base structure and then be expanded upon indefinitely and, um, and almost like skins in a sense, right? Because in my game, each level has a different art style. The levels and the characters are all completely reskinned. And, um, but um, so the idea would be that you would have, and they're all based on major world cities. So you would buy a city. And so the city would include the, the art style um, the level, uh, so a couple of uh, like single player levels, and then a, mu- a couple of multiplayer stages. So it would be a mix of those things. So it would be uh, it'd be the city pack that would include a couple of things for it. That's always been the notion. Um, oh, that's so cool! Yeah, and it's it's always been, I'm, I haven't built how that would work, and I haven't decided how many will be in the base game. What I would charge for a city, like it would have to be pretty low, actually. I mm-hmm. think, and and also I have to decide like 
would you want to mix and match or because that's the other thing is like is audience segmentation It's like is my game interesting if you have the base content plus the cities that look cool to you because the, because they're different art styles i want people to like pick ones they like yeah right but at the same time like and i can segment my audience and be okay i guess i don't know i haven't done a lot of the calculus on that um but it might be that i have to go down the route of like uh, you know, packs of five or something mm-hmm. um, just because just to make it not complicated because right now the game can, ha- it, it's built so that it can have up to 30 right now. Right now there's like eight. There'll be maybe 15 in the works, including those Martha's giving me the face because <laughs> she's responsible for one of them. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, maybe tweet at Martha and tell her to get on it. <laughs> Oh, please. I haven't gotten to it yet. I'm so sorry, Mark. I'm so sorry. Our conversations about this consist solely of you telling me how bad you feel about it and me refusing to really give you the business. About it. <laughs> so we're kind of both at fault. <laughs> like we're not really, no one's pushing the ball up the hill. Like, yeah. Anyway. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't really know, but the game was always, it was designed to be expanded upon because it was designed to be infinitely like expandable. Hmm. Um, as a player, it's not something I'm super interested in, but as a designer, as I was designing this, like this is the right choice for this. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think that's, that's something that I'm, I, I tend to get skeptical when those, those choices for how downloadable content is produced or marketed or sold or priced that those do not align with the design of the game. Mm. I'm kind of a purist, like it has to make sense for the design, even at the, I don't know, maybe that's not fair to someone who wants to make a living on, on a games. But, um, you know, that's why I'm, that's why I'm so impressed with how Star Trek Ascendancy did it is it just felt like the game was designed for that. Mm-hmm. And it was it, the ex, the player expectations are right. The value made sense. It seemed, it, it doesn't seem, there doesn't seem, no one's being tricked. No one's being like, um, uh, coerced. No mm. one's being motivated by things that are not related to the design. You know what I mean? Interesting. Huh. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, it's again, it's a know it when you see it kind of thing, but I, I, I tend to, I, I have a pretty high threshold for if it, makes sense for me for that sort of thing. And I, I'd like to think that the, the way I've designed Metro Nexus at least meets my own standard. Um, I don't know. That reminds me of an example of DLC that's, uh, it was controversial. Uh, in near Automata, you can buy, uh, achievements. Really? Straight up. What? Buy them. No, that's what <laughs> ruined paydays. Cause you could start to be able to buy guns, uh, uh-huh. which totally ruins the game because then, Oh, the people who have bought is pay to win, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what it becomes. Right, but in near Automata, you're just getting achievements, which are useless <laughs> um, unless you're all about gamer score or t- uh, trophies. Um, <laughs> but I just remember a lot of people. It, it it felt like it ruined the like achievement for them because yeah, yeah, like other people could have just paid for whatever um, the stuff that they wanted, and it will look like they just paid for it too. So mm-hmm. they had oh. you couldn't prove how cool they are anymore i guess you know i would have never considered that because i don't compare my trophies or achievements to other players right me but i know that's what most people do i know a lot and, of people like, do that oh, I'm, not, I'm not talking that down but that that level of competition is fun right it's cool to compete with your friends uh, the way steven you and i are trying to get all 120 shrines in breath of the wild wait how far are you we're both at 118 i'm not at 118 oh i'm sorry i gave you too much credit dang <laughs> whoa <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that's fun, right? Yeah. It's fun to compete, but I, for achievements, I don't, I don't care. So if someone wants to pay $4 for it, I mean, maybe I'll, maybe I'll be down on the dev for allowing that maybe, you know, but 
I mean, I don't know. And maybe in a game like uh, certain games, that's maybe making a statement, you uh-huh. know, like, you know, there are games that have like achievements that are silly. Like in the Simpsons game, you get an achievement for pressing start at the beginning. Nice. And like that's there's, there's some commentary yeah. there. So there's there's a game specifically designed. I can't I think it's like open the jar or something <laughs> and you get like a, a thousand gamer score or a platinum trophy or whatever it is for just opening or pressing the A button like 50 times. Yeah. Do you get like an achievement for like loosening it? I think I don't know. <laughs> and then someone else comes and along. Then somebody else comes yeah. along and opens it for you. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, there should be in some sort of funny, funny satirical game. There should be an achievement that you can only buy. Yeah, it's like this. <laughs> I, you bought this achievement. Achievement. Right. Right. <laughs> well, this was very common in the early days of mobile um, mobile games. That mm. um, there was what famously when the iPhone App Store opened up, you could spend a thousand dollars to buy an app called I Am Rich. Which was, I think it might have even been more than a thousand dollars, but mm. it literally did nothing but say that. And so, and, you know, and the developer has even said, like, I wasn't trying to trick anybody. I was, it literally was, if you were willing to do that for that icon on your home screen, that's what that was worth. And, you know, but it's, you know, famously derided as a, like a, a, a sort of a silly, weird mismatch between like concept and market and all of that. And, that's so weird. Yeah. Like, I feel like if you have the money to buy the thing and you want the thing, then you should be able to buy the thing. See, like I can't, people, I can't comment because that's getting close to the, <laughs> how people pay for things in free to play games. Yep. Yep. Well, maybe well, we should just <laughs> talk about it. Sometime. No, okay. Well, it's got to, it's going to go on the docket now. Listeners, is it should we actually break open that can of worms? <laughs> Lane do is you like want now to... messaging on Slack. Yeah, yeah. yes. <laughs> you know what to do is we'll have to do um a Twitter poll. Uh, a nice debate club and oh, this yeah. is be a special episode. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> because we should just have regular debates. You know, listeners don't know how, how, like, why we're so sensitive about this issue. Yeah. But, like, we really were, like, yelling at each other, you and me, Mark. It was, it, it was, there was, we were in a restaurant, in a public space, <laughs> yeah. screaming at each other. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was, it was not a great night. <laughs> <laughs> well, it kind of was great, but. It kind of was great. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Well, I guess you two don't argue as much as I do with my family and people, so. Right. It's, 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 but you're different. the most mild mannered of us. It's very strange. I'm most mild mannered when I'm not with my family. I see. I see. You contain multitudes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> you know, I'm Stephen Business. I'm Stephen Argumentative. Uh huh. Stephen, relax. I can't come up with that. <laughs> Sounds like you have lots of genres that you. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, you're on fire tonight, Martha. <laughs> Applause. See, once Applause. you do 50 of these, we start to get good at it. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, this one's mine. It's about game genres, and it's one of those things that is just I. It's I, I've, maybe I've talked a little bit about the show before. The difference between uh, what a genre is in games uh-huh. versus what a genre is in other media. Yeah, and um, I find it's one of those things that I bring up, and people are like, "Man, whatever, not a big deal." And I'm like, "It's a big deal the way we treat these things because uh, games is." You know, it's a young art form, and I think that's a cliche to sort of talk about how it's coming into its own as, as you know, as an, as an art form. But right. it's true, and a lot of that, it, not just development, but also the way we talk about it and the way that um, games criticism works. And I don't just mean like gaming sites and reviews and stuff like that, and what you read on Kotaku, but like how we discuss it with each other, how you choose what you want to play, um, how uh, games are awarded as well as rewarded. So um, one of the things that's uh, unique to games, and I don't know if it's a problem, but it's interesting 
is that the games that sell the most are also the ones that are the most critically acclaimed. And that is not true in film. That's not true in other media. And it's obvious why it's not true in other media, right? But in games, you kind of like, well, I guess it sort of makes sense why the most expensive game that sold the most is also the best game. But part of you is like, wait, isn't that wrong? Like, we don't give Oscars to Transformers, but we give awards to Grand Theft Auto. Like... You know, uh, I would disagree that it's, we have we have different criteria. Sure, you know? but I would disagree that the best games that are released are also the uh, or the, the the games that are most critically acclaimed are yeah. also the ones that make the most money. Because I feel like Call of Duty makes a ton of money every year, yeah, but yeah. I don't hear a lot about it unless you're in that circle. I suppose, and that, I guess the thing is that the tide on that is changing. Yeah, right. Perhaps. Um, so maybe it's not fair to describe it that way any longer. Mm. Um, but yeah, 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 you're right about that. And there's certainly in this in this era of of um, democratization of tools for indie developers, it's easier for an indie game uh, to have a popular success as well as critical success. And mm-hmm. so that's that. You know, yeah, it is again it, in every other way. It's it's becoming more of a mature thing. But relating, I think part of the part of the thing that's keeping us from uh, having our own critical judgment over the games we play ourselves is this notion of genre. And um, when people say, like, oh, what kind of games do you like? Uh-huh. That always means, like, oh, I like shooters. I like RPGs. I like platformers. Right. Um, but nobody says, like, oh, I like, I like sci-fi. I like drama. I like fantasy games. So, okay. So, um, I mean, does this make sense? What, what do you Yeah. Th- like, I have always been very confused by um, game categories. Like, looking for things on Steam or yeah. other things is always very confusing because I'm like, I have an idea of the game that I'm looking for to buy. Mm-hmm. But, like, none of the things that I'm putting in here, like, none of the categories they get. Like, what's an adventure game? Yeah. That covers... That's so confusing. So many things. Mm-hmm. Like, see, people, I've heard people describe Zelda as an adventure game. Right, and also right. point and clicks as adventure games. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. I also don't, like, why is Zelda called an RPG sometimes? Yep. Like, why is Final Fantasy fifteen an RPG? Just because there's numbers all over the place? Like, yeah, I, I guess it's it's so, they're, they're permeable. The, these the way we the, I feel like the way we talk about games, like which games we enjoy, generally speaking, mm-hmm. I say that with hesitation. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, is uh, that like you you pick the game that most makes sense for what you want to play? Yes, and largely those the the mechanics of the game um, correlate to how you want to play them. So mm-hmm. I, I, at least in general, like. For example, Final Fantasy, a lot of people call that a role-playing game because you're playing a role and there's a lot of story and things involved with role-playing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why a lot of people, when they say, I like RPGs, they're looking for the, the narratives. They're looking, they might like the mechanics of the game, yeah. but that also goes in line with the, 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 the narrative and the focus on the characters and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, whereas if somebody says, I like playing fighting games, they are not really interested in the story because the, the story... They'd better not be with fighting games. I know. <laughs> the story of fighting games is really the competition between two players. Yeah. And yeah. thus, they are really interested in the mechanics and the narrative and the story focus between two individuals yeah. playing in the game. You've absolutely hit on it because the, the, when, I, when I sort of complain about this, I think I, I'm not saying that we should talk about narrative genre versus gaming categories. Like yeah. they're, they, they're just two different things because um, the reason that we focus on this is because when you watch a movie, 
every gameplay experience of watching a movie is pretty much the same. Right. You sit in a chair or on your couch or whatever and you watch. Mm-hmm. And so it's there's only one dimension, which is the, the narrative genre. Whereas games, we think of that in terms of, yeah, what you do and how the player interacts with it. And that's, that is so important. Mm-hmm. And I think people should be able to, you know, the, like those preferences are, in, are valuable. But I think that, uh, like, so one of the examples is like, uh, I love the Assassin's Creed games because I like those mechanics. Um, but then Assassin's Creed Black Flag comes out and I'm like, pirates are dumb. I don't want to play a pirate game. And everyone's like, oh, it's the best Assassin's Creed ever. And I'm, I'm like, I don't want to play a pirate game. Mm-hmm. And so they, there's, there's those two dimensions. And I think people, they, in, in, very often in games, criticism as well, people are very reluctant to, to treat those as, as equals. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, you know, and, and lots, of players are, uh, lots of players are relatively undiscerning. Um, and then some are, and, and some care more about one or the other. I just don't think it's something we talk about a lot. Yeah. You know? Or at least, yeah, like you said, not on the yeah. same level. And I think it limits what kind of narrative genre we can bring to games. People always say like, oh yeah, games have dumb story, but it's getting better. It's like, yeah, but one of the reasons is, is because we haven't taught players to care as much. We haven't told them it's important. And well, like we say like, oh, dialogue is important. Acting is important. So of course, all these things are important. Yeah. But we don't talk about how like, you know, uh, the sort of creative ideation of, of, of like of genre and style and tone. We don't talk about that as, as important as, um, as, as gameplay mechanics and, and game categories. So like a game like mass effect is very serious, but when you play it because it's sort of an open world RPG, there's tons of comedy in it because those games are funny. You, you talk to silly characters and stuff because those are conventions of those game categories. Uh-huh. Right. But Mass Effect would be a more mature story if it focused more on that uh, instead of chipping away at it. it, it I, I don't know. Does that make sense? Uh, I don't know. Like you're feeling like um, sometimes narrative takes a backseat to the the conventions that have been established for a particular category of gameplay. Yeah. And sometimes that's okay because you do want to value one or the other as a developer, you know, right. or, or they can coexist or whatever. You could care about one more than the other. It's just that when we think critically about these things, we don't notice that. So we talk about mass effect as a serious sci-fi game, but like most of the, the interactions you have in that game are funny. I wouldn't say they're funny, but I would say they're not serious. Well, that, I, I guess that's my point is yeah. we don't remember those things. We don't remember those things because we don't think about it critically in that sense. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think that it's because we don't have the language to discuss it, the whole of a game in yeah. that way. Like uh, we can talk about the gameplay and stuff because we developed a language to talk about the gameplay. Like yes. you can say that this, these mechanics are tight or, or loose or whatever. Um, but we haven't really figured out a way to talk about the the mechanics of a game in relation to the narrative or the re- the narrative in relation to a games well enough where it doesn't sound stupid like ludo narrative dissonance. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that I mean, it's an overused term. I don't yeah. have a problem with it, but people are sick of that. Well, term I, now, the but. reason why people had an issue with ludo narrative dissonance is because it divorced the narrative from the me- from the mechanics of the game. Yeah, yeah. Whereas the game is all of that. It's uh-huh. the package. Yeah. It doesn't really. Like it doesn't make sense to talk about um, a game divorced of its narrative when the game is also the narrative. Mm-hmm. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. It does. So like, yeah. So like, saying Uncharted doesn't um, has ludo narrative dissonance doesn't make sense when like the whole game is that. <laughs> so I, I don't know. No, I actually you do make a good point. Okay, with that. It's, what, I, is, it, what does ludo narrative dissonance mean again? Yes, ludo narrative dissonance is when the game play of the game. 
um, feels divorced from the narrative of a game. Hmm. So, like, for example, in Uncharted, I love bringing up Uncharted with this because I don't like Uncharted games. Yeah, Bioshock <laughs> is the example that it comes oh, from, but, but Uncharted is probably the, the better modern example. Yes, and you can quote me on this that I don't <laughs> like Uncharted. <laughs> Charles. Uh, <laughs> um, so, in Uncharted, uh, Nathan, uh, Nathan Drake is often characterized as a good guy. Like, he, he's, I mean, he's doing kind of bad things because he's like, Looting from 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 tombs. Or yeah, whatever. he's a scamp. Yeah, he's a he's a scamp, but, but he's got a good heart. Yeah, he's a lovable scamp. He's got a good heart. He wouldn't kill a guy. No, except he does kill many yeah. many 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 guys <laughs> in the games. Yeah, and that you play. Yeah. So like the gameplay is he's murdering hundreds of people throughout the game, mm-hmm. whereas Nathan Drake is supposed to be a good guy who you're supposed to uh, like feel good about and right. Things. And this is commonly like the difference between uh, play and cutscenes. Uh-huh. So mm-hmm. you'll see very often like a character will like, you know, mow down a bunch of dudes, but not just that, take a bunch of hits because mechanically you can't, one shot kill is not fun for players a lot of times. Right. Yes. And so you're, you are a bullet sponge and whatever, that's great gameplay. And then in a cutscene, you get like winged on the shoulder and you're like, oh, and then like you like stumbles into the next scene. And then in the next scene, you, you like the mechanics are different. Like you're, you're limping in the game. And it's like, well, wait a minute. This is not the first bullet I've taken. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, why is it, why does it affect the story now? So it's, yeah, those things are very, I don't know. I mean, I don't have a ton of problem with that existing, but I also, I think people are tired of talking about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's an important topic because um, those are one of those things we do sort of paper over, you know, but I'm sort of more concerned about the idea that you can call a game like a science fiction game and then you can put in like tons of gags and like, silly things that don't you call it a hard sci-fi uh-huh. and then put that stuff in and everyone still believes you um I, I feel like they do that at tv yeah i suppose a little bit yeah i mean i guess um, maybe this is but this is not really a neat complaint i'm just i'm sort of just arguing for things to be taken into consideration well you just <laughs> brought that up in the last topic like you like you prefer purity like you want everything to be designed in that way and so like the yeah. world should um I'm a holistic thinker that. i guess yeah it's a, you to want, use another buzzword you want yeah. it to be internally consistent mm. yeah i suppose so everything yeah i think that, that makes sense there are compromises that are made and the, the compromises that are made are the things we don't care about as a culture or as a as a industry and as a as um when we think critically about games we there are things we don't care about and uh, and sometimes i'm like why why don't we care about some of these things i don't know so um I did want to talk a little bit with you guys about sort of how you guys treat the differences here. So yeah. the first thing I'll ask the question twice is, is, you know, what kind of games do you like? And the first time is the traditional kind of what kind of games do you like and what, and what don't you like? Yeah. Um, well, I like action games. Yeah. Love them. Mm-hmm. I play a lot of fighting games, a lot of platformers, mm-hmm. a lot of beat ups, um, but I hate horror games. Yeah. Hate them. And so that is, we talked about this before off uh-huh. mic, where horror is something that is very much tied to its mechanics yeah. more than most, where when you say horror games, you are talking about kind of both things. Yeah. Some, a lot of times you are anyway. Uh-huh. Yeah. But yeah, those, those, those kinds of games I, I don't like. And I also don't like, um, it varies with me sometimes, but I sometimes don't like puzzle games. Sometimes mm-hmm. do. It depends on like how tedious they are and yeah. how like, uh, yeah, I guess I, how tedious they are. And you don't like visual novels, right? I don't like visual novels. That's true. And so you're not also likely to like the big JRPGs with tons of reading. Um, it, yeah, a lot of times, yeah, mm-hmm. it is a lot of reading, yeah, and watching, not a lot of playing, right? With those. Okay, so then on the other hand, the second 
what kind of games do you like mm-hmm. is like like narrative genres, uh, aesthetics, stuff like that. Okay. I mean, I, I imagine you have less to say on that than Martha probably. <laughs> it's but true. Uh, yeah, I, I really like adventure things. Mm-hmm. So like, I really like adventure movies. Yeah. Um, I don't read a lot of books, but I like the, the adventure books. Mm-hmm. Not like choose your own adventure books, but like yeah. where they travel to exotic places and do cool things right. and stuff. Uh, Swashbuckling. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But I don't like Uncharted. <laughs> huh. Yeah. Well, largely because the gameplay don't make no sense. Uh, well, see, there's the thing. It's like, you know, you both, you need to have both, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, you don't like horror as a, as a narrative hate- genre. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Martha. So same, same question twice. Um, what, what kind of game do you like? Uh, for like traditional categories, I like strategy games, puzzle games, narrative games, shooters, uh, adventure games. Mm-hmm. Like the point and click style. Both. Okay. Because I like Zelda. Yeah. So both. Sure. Uh, which is why that category that category never never made sense. To yeah, me. yeah. I mean, even these are really fuzzy. Yeah. Yeah, it's well, it's describing two different, literally two different <laughs> gameplay. <laughs> well, see, that's the thing. Makes me so angry. I think that an adventure game is a game that has a lot of adventure in it, but not necessarily the mechanics of the game. It's not describing the mechanics of the game. It's yeah. describing what you do in the game. See, this is what I'm talking about. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like there's, we don't have the language. We don't have the language. You know, and, uh, more recently in the past, I don't know, maybe 15 years, uh, RPG has turned into something that means nothing. Mm. Yeah. Right? It used to be that you just pick stuff from a menu. It was just D&D on your console. Right. And now, you know, like Assassin's now Creed Call is an RPG. Right. Like, Call of Duty is an RPG. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In fact, <laughs> RPG elements and shooters is a very popular trend. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah. And we just, we sort of lose the... Um, the language to talk about it for sure. So, second version of the question. Uh, I like sci-fi westerns, uh-huh. uh, like but Borderlands. Not, but it's got to be both. <laughs> so it's just Borderlands, basically. I really like the combination of like things are kind of barren and also falling apart. Yeah. Um, but also like th- like you're a total badass. Right. Right. Like that's <laughs> the sort of the story s- sort of things that I. So, so like narrative the world genre, that like I apocalyptic like to, kind of yeah, post, lone wolf well, sort of. But I don't like I don't like Fallout very much. So okay. not nuclear <laughs> apocalypse, I guess. Uh-huh. <laughs> More like you're on the edge of of civilization. Okay, okay, you're on the edges of where right frontier kind of. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Fallout isn't really like that. It's more survival and everyone is crazy, but like not in a fun way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like well, like like living on Tatooine. Like right. that's the sort okay. of like there's not much like there's there's um like bastions of of civilization, but yeah, you're sort yeah. of on the edge and you have to fend for yourself. Right, right. And the mechanically Borderlands is a shooter which you like and it's got loot which you also like, right? <laughs> yes. And the numbers flying everywhere, which yes. I guess you like for some reason. So good. <laughs> <laughs> so um which of those two sort of draws got you there first? Um what drew me to that game was because hearing about it. Mm-hmm. I like Dylan and his friends would talk about it and I was like whatever. <laughs> uh but then I saw our friend Ian was just watching the cuz the the intro was this this great cinematic. It's mm-hmm. really funny and and like perfectly captures what is going to happen in the game. Yeah. And I saw that and I was like that's Borderlands. 
oh my god, Dylan, I need to play this game. <laughs> we need to get a computer that's good enough for me to play this game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, all right. Um, for me, I, so the categories, I, I like games that have puzzle elements. Um, mm-hmm. So of, uh, I'm kind of, you know, even twisting the, the, this question here even further, but like something slash puzzle is kind of I'm on board with anything. Okay. You know, yeah. um, I do actually like first person shooters. I don't play any of them anymore, mm. but I look back at like the games that were my favorite growing up and I quite like a lot of them. So I, maybe it's just fallen out of favor for me personally, but I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that like, I don't like the type of sci-fi that halo is like military sci-fi not into, uh-huh. even though I love yeah. science fiction. And um, so there's not a lot of shooters that, because I can't overcome that hurdle of the narrative genre. But I would say I love shooters. I just, there's not many there for me. Um, or I'm sure there'd be the ones I would love. It's just, I can't get there, you know? And Martha, I'm not going to play Borderlands. I'm sorry. <laughs> Please play Borderlands <laughs> with me. Okay. Well, yes, really nice. <laughs> now I'm gonna. <laughs> but I love platformers. Um, but a lot of the times because they're puzzly, mm. I don't necessarily love uh, like super, I don't, I don't like Mega Man that much. Mm. Um, it, it's because it's a hard platformer, but it's also not complicated. Like it's, oh. it's just hard. It's not because um, I, I want to, I want to solve the solution. Yeah. But I do like games like um, we talked about on the show before the VVVVV. Mm-hmm. That game is just crazy hard, but it, it, there's so many aha moments. And that's what, that's what I love about those types yeah, of I gotcha. games. So, you know, when you're talking about mastery, like, um, mastery is good, but it has to be in service to something else for me. Um, and then in terms of like uh, narrative stuff, um, I, you know, I, I do quite like um, sort of contemporary drama. There's not a lot of that in games and I, I get why I'm not really bemoaning that fact, mm-hmm. um, but I like that a lot when it can happen. And so um, like adventure style or telltale style games that, um, that, that have that in it, which those kind of tend to be the only ones that are able to. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll be into that, even though I'm not generally into those types of games. Um, you know, which also like uh, visual novels and stuff like that. You know, that now that I think about it, I'm really into narratives that are about relationships. Yeah, in a lot of ways, which sounds like it would probably be visual novels, huh? But and like, I know that one of the next con- game concepts you want to work on is really about me- mechanizing relationships, right? Um, so yeah, that's definitely a point for you. Yeah, but I don't want it like because if I want to just watch. Thing a story happened. I would just watch a movie or a show yeah, or something. Yeah. I don't want to just click to make one decision <laughs> and then watch stuff happen. Yeah, and then click again to make another decision. That's not interesting, right? At all. Like I know you get to make your own decisions, but I don't really necessarily want to make my own decisions. I want to play the game that the that the that a person has that a developer has like created for me. Right. Right. And, I'm always harping on that. Yeah. <laughs> nice to hear yeah. you guys have share some <laughs> thoughts. Um, yeah, but I, I also really like, I mean, I like science fiction mm-hmm. quite a lot. I very much dislike fantasy. Like I, I don't hate it. I just don't get it. I don't see any appeal at all. And, um, so I get frustrated because like, I want to play a game. Um, it's like, Oh, it's fantasy. I don't hate fantasy. And it's like, oh, I guess I kind of do. I, uh, that's maybe a weird way to describe it, but uh-huh. I, I'm always, I disappoint myself because I don't like it enough. And there's so, so like shadow of Mordor, like I'm reading about the, um, like the nemesis system, the yeah. mechanics in that game. Yeah. And just like, a third person adventure style game, which I look quite like a lot. Assassin's Creed is, you know, that's why I like Assassin's Creed. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it just to be like, it's steeped in the, the, the most fantasy fantasy world that ever existed. The Tolkien universe. I'm yeah. just like, I don't, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to play against, I don't want there to be orcs. I don't want to deal with wizards. Ugh, like, 
it's also prevented me from playing more D and D than I probably should. Cause uh-huh. I love D and D, but like, I mean, I, one time I got to be a robot, so that got me there, but I don't know. Martha, mm-hmm. can I be a robot in D and D? Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> totally. <laughs> then maybe I'll play some more. You've been a mouse. That's true. That was really fun. We played mouse guard. Martha, uh, GM that for us at Dungeons and Dragons night recently. It was so much fun. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is because of this sort of charming story of it. Which um, and I thought the mechanics were also very good. Um, that was a game that kind of both of those things were sort of uh, firing together, which was cool. Um, yeah, but so the okay, so we sort of set the stage now. We kind of know where we're, we're sitting, and listeners do too. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, like, I won't force you guys to come up with first examples. I just have a couple I want to share of games where um, I liked it or didn't like it, um, despite one of those things. Yeah. So mm-hmm. very frequently, I'm kept from games because I don't like the narrative genre of it. And I, and that's why this is an important issue to me because I get frustrated that nobody else cares that much, uh-huh. like that everyone loved Assassin's Creed four, for example. Um, but, uh, I'm, I'm really into Mario plus rabbits right now. And granted it's Mario. So that's, that got me half the way there, <laughs> but man, rabbits are so dumb. They're so dumb. They're so dumb. You guys, I've heard, well, I don't, I don't really, but man, about that game, either, but... the, the mechanics of that game yeah. are like off the chart. Awesome. It is yeah. so much. Fun. Yeah. That's what I've heard. It is incredible. Like I don't play a lot of taxis games, but now I know I really should. That's another thing, like XCOM has kind of an X-Files-y vibe, mm. right? Uh, but it's also military-ish, yeah. you know? And so I, I kind of think that, man, I've been playing XCOM if I d- wasn't turned off by the aesthetic of that game mm. as much as I, I've been. Because um, I love tactics games, it turns out. I don't I play a lot of them, but it might, it's a freaking Rabbids game is what got me there to like realize how much I like that, that, that category of game. A lot of tactics games are fantasy-based. So like Final oh, well. Fantasy Tactics. And well, that's the end of me then. <laughs> Final Fantasy Tactics is so good. Yeah, you might like. Uh, I don't know if Advance Wars is exactly tactics, but you might like Advance. Ooh, Advance Wars is so much fun too. Yeah, <laughs> see, that's that's very military, and it's oh. also like cartoony military. Yeah, which I have like a moral problem with. Huh? Oh, I don't really okay. want to get into it, but like, okay, I'm like, no, nah, not into that. Okay, <laughs> that's why I hate most mobile games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that falls into the into the cute thing is yeah. one of my likes that I like. Okay, yeah. So, but yeah, I didn't think about it being kind of morally awful. Well, but. I'm not I'm not drawing a line in the sand or anything. It's just okay. I, I just have that reaction to it. I, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't, you know, other people can like it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a game called uh, Enslaved Journey to the West. Oh yeah, it had like the worst title of all time. Yeah, people love that game. It's very well reviewed. I actually very much enjoyed that game, but mm-hmm. not because of the gameplay, because the gameplay is not good. Oh, I see. Okay. So it's like a, it's like a, it's like a, it's a beat em up sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, but there's not much depth to it at all. Mm-hmm. You kind of just mash the buttons yeah. and dodge, I think. Uh-huh. I haven't played it in a long time. Yeah. But yeah, there's not a lot to it. And it also, it's the whole game is an escort, escort mission because mm-hmm. you have this woman named Trip who's following around and she, she, well, She's enslaved the person you're playing as this monkey with this with this thing, and so you have to follow her and protect her from dying because yeah. if she dies, then you die. That all makes sense, right? Yeah, it tracks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, so sometimes she'll like people or the the robots that are chasing you and her. Uh, sometimes they'll chase after her, and like you have to protect her so she doesn't get killed. Yeah. Uh, but like she'll also like she's the she's a mechanical genius, so she'll like. Uh, develop devices and things to help you out through the journey. Yeah. Anyway, like I really enjoyed the narrative of that game because I, I really got into the characters and the game is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked all of that, but the gameplay is like, it, it was, it was, it was a slog to get through. Yeah. But 
I ended up liking that game quite a bit. Huh. I had a similar problem, but it didn't end up so well for me, which was L.A. Noir. Ah, so L.A. Yeah. Confidential, which is a very similar kind of, it's a great example. It's just like that in terms of its sort of milieu. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite movies. And uh, L.A. Noir, I was so excited about the, the, the facial capture technology, the idea of interrogating people, all that stuff seemed like super awesome. And then it just turned into like a boring GTA, the actual gameplay of it. I think there were like production issues that, you know, the, yep. the, the studio that developed it was like fired and they like Rockstar finished it. And there's lots of reasons for these things. Yeah. I was so disappointed in that game. And I, but I, I love, I love every, all the aesthetic stuff that sort of uh, noir, 1940s Hollywood, like all that stuff is amazing. And the story was really good, in fact. Um, and the, the performances were good too. But like, I, I had so much trouble with it. I, it's coming out for the Nintendo Switch now. Uh, this uh, in a couple months, I'm like, maybe I should give it another shot because it's one of the great regrets of my gaming life is like not finishing that game. Mm-hmm. Um, was there any? Yeah, uh, I guess um, o- Overwatch mm-hmm. is one for me because I didn't know. Like, I usually didn't like playing games online with a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, like League wasn't as fun for me. Yeah, but I I play Overwatch because I love all the characters and all right, of that right. and. I play it with friends and without friends. It's the first game I've played online without anybody and I just go on and play. So. Yeah. Oh yeah, we've talked about this before that like you're just not an online player but like uh, Overwatch, you, all of that just fades away because you love that game so much yeah. and everything else about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really cool. Mm. Yeah, I mean, um, uh, that's similar uh, in the sort of reverse way with uh, Quake. I was huge into Quake for every reason except for its aesthetics which mm-hmm. I thought, are, which I even then I thought were dumb. Like, <laughs> And childish and like, and you know, I don't like horror either. And it has mm-hmm. a lot of this, a Lovecraftian kind of yeah. thing I wasn't into, but everything else I thought I liked. Um, so for the opposite reason, I was super into that game. Um, yeah. So the last thing I want to talk about in this, um, this topic is uh, uh, as a designer, how do you sort of approach this? Because um, I, I um, there's a book that came out recently from a, a, a Kotaku writer uh, called Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, uh, uh, Jason Schreier. He also hosts a podcast and, uh, that Kotaku does. It's very good. Um, but uh, it's basically just uh, each chapter is a sort of like a deep dive uh, sort of postmortem of a different game. Uh, mm-hmm. Many successes. Uh, I think uh, talking about Star Wars thirteen thirteen famously canceled. That's oh, yeah. that's was a really sad chapter. Um, but I just I burned through that book in a day. It's really really good, and um, the reporting in it is very very nice, and the sort of insights are really amazing. the the uh, The chapter on Stardew Valley, Valley like I almost cried. I'm like I recognize so much of that in wow. indie developers. Yeah. It's really like. The, the struggles and the, the sense of imposter syndrome and the doubts and the weird bits of like luck, both good and bad. Mm-hmm. And I, I've seen so much of that in this community that it just like, oh yeah, like, okay. Like it, it sort of got to me. But wow. the, the, um, the thing I wanted to talk about was the chapter on Halo Wars. So that's a, a real-time strategy game that was made uh, in the Halo universe for Xbox, whereas real-time strategies are mostly PC games because you need the mouse and keyboard. It's sort of been a convention. And Halo Wars is one of those ones where it's sort of like, you're like, oh, I guess you can do it on a console. But it was made by this uh, a developer um, who had done PC uh, uh, RTS games. And that was like their, their, their expertise. And it got me thinking about when I'm going to design my own games, like right now I'm doing this arcade uh, platformer, mm-hmm. a multiplayer shooter kind of thing. And, mm-hmm. But my next game, I want it to be like a VR puzzle game. And that doesn't seem weird to me because we have access to tools and like as a game designer, there's no reason why you need to specialize. And so, and I think of it more as uh, from a narrative and story. That's where I come from first with the concepting I do. Um, People are different and that's perfectly fine. But it, 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 reading that, uh, that art, that uh, chapter got me thinking about like expertise. Like 
you can be really good at these things technically. And that, as an indie developer, I mean, you're novice at everything, so it's fine. You could do whatever you want. But at, at higher levels, you are kind of limited to these categories. And I think that does contribute in some ways to how we think about games. Because, because the people who make them and then make the next one and the next one and the next one, they tend to be similar in those categories and sometimes wildly different narratively because they hire writers or something. Like it's not, it's not their core competency. And so I think that contributes a little bit. So when you guys think about the games you want to make, do you want to make like a great, a great, uh, like Martha, you want to make point and click games. You want to make a great one and then another great one and a better one and a better one. Or do you want to make a good one and then make something else that has like a similar narrative thing? You know what I mean? Like how do you sort of chart your progress or what do you imagine for yourself as your next game and next game and next game? Like what do you want your body of work to represent? Do you want to focus on something? Even if you don't know what it is, do you want to focus on something in one category or the other? And that makes any sense. Yeah, uh, I guess I never thought I would make one type of game category-wise or Mm -hmm. narrative-wise because I have lots of ideas for different games that aren't point-and-clicks. Yeah. And I don't think I would want to make lots of point-and-clicks. Right, right. Um, But maybe like... A lot of indie developers feel that way. I feel like I would want to make a series of them just Mm -hmm. like... Like humongous games made all those yeah. point and clicks, and mm-hmm. I would love to have like w- make have made one of their series mm-hmm. of them, if that makes sense. Like yeah. a one, two, and three. Yeah, some of the best developers they have those histories. Like Cyan Worlds made the Mist and Riven, and and that's those are the if they made other types of games, like I mean, they would lose their edge. Maybe I don't know. It's it's it feels it's almost sad that that you can't at higher levels you. That not many, there's not great examples of genre hopping in that same way. Yeah, that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Although, like, Nintendo's made a whole ton of different, well, of I course, they have different true. studios. I mean, they have different developers. Yeah. That, that yeah. yeah. But, I mean, isn't that the case with other media? Uh, yeah, that's true. Like, there's action directors and, and that sort of thing. Right. Well, they, they, they keep doing what they're good at, and, mm-hmm. and that, can, that can be a good thing, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think people just keep, they naturally. Uh, gravitate towards things they're good at because that's the things they're interested in. Right, right. So, like, I would probably prefer making action games mm-hmm. as opposed to a visual novel because right. that's what I naturally prefer mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and enjoy playing. So, yeah, I, I, I guess I've never considered yeah. like specializing in a particular kind of game. Yeah, I don't, I, I guess just that book was just telling me, like, oh, yeah. I, there are people whose whole careers, they just take it as read. Like, this is just the kind of games I make. And I'm like, that's that's good and bad. I, I, it's it's a little tragic in some ways, but at the same time, it's like, man, you could really be like the people who are the auteurs in that category. They set the standard. They they make the discoveries. Right. They come up with the innovations. Right. That's an exciting career. Yeah. But I don't want to do that. I guess just because I want to do everything. But mm. then like that's kind of an immature attitude, right? I don't know. It's a question to leave on, I suppose. Yes. Right. Let that question blow in the wind. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks for letting me finally have this topic. It's been something I've been thinking about for a long, long time. Yeah, yeah, it's um, really interesting. Yeah, it op- I think I'm glad we sort of opened up a bunch of avenues, and maybe we'll co- revisit at some point. Yeah, I'm sure to we to will. never answer the questions we ask because that's how it's supposed to be, I suppose. <laughs> well, that's our show. 
Uh, if you haven't already, subscribe to Nice Games Club in your favorite podcast app, and be sure to give it a good review if you liked it, or a nice like us. We need to know you're out there, guys, so uh, leave a review and tell all your friends, too. Uh, you can leave us feedback on the feedback form. Stephen, where do they find that? NiceGames.club slash feedback. You have such a fatalist attitude, Stephen. People will fill it out, I promise. They better. Don't make a liar out of me, listeners. Go to NiceGames.club slash feedback. You can find us on Reddit as well. We post our show notes every week. Uh, at r slash uh, game dev want to hear directly from you so follow us on twitter and all the other things at nice games club let us know how we're doing send us your topics ask us your questions lastly you can find out more about the show and your nice host as well get all the links and notes from this and other episodes at our website nightsgames.club so until we start again remember to play nice and make nice As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.